This podcast was sponsored by OMI, the company that makes CRM work. And today's guest is Derek Distenfield from Fundamental Global. Derek, welcome to this episode. Excited to talk to you. You told me before that you you guys focus on companies. You you, you purchase companies that you can take all the way through to IPO, but that you don't really have a a position on like what stage you want that company company to be. I wonder if you could just sort of introduce what you guys do by telling me how you how do you evaluate that then? Like what is what is it that you guys look for? What is, what is like the main broad category you could you could identify for us? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, George. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Fundamental global invests in companies agnostic to stage, agnostic to industry, and really agnostic to asset class. What we are ultimately looking for is outstanding leaders. We really do believe that great companies start with great founders and great CEOs. And that could be in the lumber space, it could be in the movie industry, or it could be in tech companies like Firefly. And we've ultimately found if you find the right leader, good things can happen. And so... It's, it's a cliche that we've all read a lot about, but we've seen it absolutely become true. And the co-founder of our firm, Joe Moglia, ran TD Ameritrade for many years. But then at the height of his success, he stepped down as CEO and went and coached football. And he has really instilled leadership at Coastal Carolina University where he coached, but he's really pushed those principles into us and helped us look for those traits in, in the leaders that we're investing in. That's really interesting. And so I want to ask maybe about your background first. Like what, what kind of experience do you have that helps you to identify people who, you know, I, I assume you, you're not an expert in every single industry, every single sector that you guys invest in. How do you, how do you identify the people who, who might be and who could, who can take those companies to the next step? Yeah, it's a good question. I've sat on multiple sides of the table. I've worked in technology companies from $0 failures to $2 billion exits and pretty much everything in between. I helped start Bunker Labs where I seeded 250 companies that went on to raise another 100 million in venture capital. I ran and co-founded an AI venture studio. So I really looked at companies from all angles in terms of tech But then also I was an officer in the U.S. Army and a lot of my leadership experience started with that. I think there's not always a checklist that you're looking for in terms of great leaders, but kind of like the Supreme Court said about pornography, you kind of know it when you see it. (laughs) That's right. Classic line. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, you know, it's always instructive to me, you don't have to name names here, but like, can you, you know, just to illustrate this point, maybe, could you give me an example of a time maybe that you found someone and you're like, this is a long shot, never going to work, but you, you had a gut feeling you, you went with it or, or maybe, and, or someone you're like, oh, this is slam dunk and it didn't work out for whatever reason. Like what, what, what are those stories? The long shot that's never going to work. It usually has to do with the situation where the cash flow statements, the balance sheets, the P&Ls are just not adding up. And you see a business that's losing money. You see a business that might not economically make sense, but what you're betting on is the CEO and his leadership team to find a way to make it work. I often really think about technology companies, especially at the early stages, as science experiments. And you're betting on the professor or you're betting on the leader of the experiment, not the experiment itself. 
And so oftentimes, one, two, three, four years into the business, the experiments aren't going well. The economics aren't adding up. Maybe the traction isn't or the growth isn't where you want it to be. But you see that leader and, and you're going to continue to engage and invest in that experiment. And so on the other side of the coin, there are times where you see great ideas, you see great design, you see great investors, but perhaps that leadership team wasn't the best in the world to bring it to market. And, you know, I, you do misjudge that sometimes. I, I certainly have. We, we try not to, but that's where things kind of go wrong and, and go right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to respect your discretion there uh, <laughs> and not press you too much on, on to name like the, the biggest failure <laughs> that you've ever invested in. Uh, although I, I know, you know, investors, like if you're not, if you're not investing in failures, you're not doing it right. Right. Yeah. And I, I would say the biggest failure I'm trying to think we, we invested in not fundamental global, but I invested in a legal tech company that we thought was ultimately going to change the legal profession. And we put a lot of money, a lot of time, and, you know, we really thought it was going to disrupt things. But what we didn't take into account is how angry lawyers were going to (laughs) be. And we didn't pay close enough attention to what the reality of the climate of the situation was and how much lawyers wanted to do it. I mean, Justin Kahn famously did the same thing with, with his business. He raised like $80 million and soon ran into similar headwinds that we ran into two or three years before him. And I remember I met him and told him that was going to happen. And of course, when you're Justin Kahn and you found Twitch and you work at YC, you're going to be able to raise the round and you're going to bet on the guy running the experiment. But sometimes they don't run the way you think they are, even when you have an experienced, credible founder like him. It's funny. I think I was reading something recently about college professors and their reluctance to use scheduling software. It's like almost like a, a mark of their own autonomy and ability to like do things their own way to, to resist doing that and like force people into a little more discomfort when they need to schedule with them. It's like, you know, lawyers I could see being very similar, you know, like, no, it's my prerogative to do it the way I want. I'm going to get your, your, your software be damned, you know, that's funny. So talk to me about scaling a company. You got to see it for what it is and you got to see what you think it could be. And I wonder what are some of the things that you, that you look for? I know that's a really vague, broad question because every company is different. Every industry is different. And maybe it relates back to the, the question of, of it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. But think about those different dimensions of this question, the people running it or versus the what it is and the various factors you look at when you think, hmm, could this become what, what I think it could become? Yeah, I, I think the, the important thing in terms of scaling a company is it is very, very difficult to be the guy that comes up with the idea and sees it all the way through. I think the challenge with that statement is, is people will point to guys like Zuckerberg and Gates who, you know, came up with these incredible (laughs) companies. They are the exceptions and that's why you know them. It's, it's not something that, that happens every day. And there's very few personality types. Even Elon Musk is one where you can have an idea at the early stages and push it all the way through. But regardless if it's the original founder, original CEO, or or not, in terms of scaling, there has to be a 
process and a culture and a machine that works. You know, I've seen some pretty good leaders drag a company to 50 million in revenue, maybe a little bit higher. But to go much beyond that, you really need to have both the culture and the processes. And it takes a lot of rigor and discipline to develop those things. And, you know, that's much different than what is needed for a guy to have a completely disruptive idea. So if it is going to be the same person, there's going to have to be that shift that is oftentimes unpopular with your dorm room buddies or your original teams that you hired, and you're going to have to push people through that. I think the, the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the economics. And there has to be a really strong business case. And, and maybe that's an obvious statement to make, but I, I see a lot of companies who raise their, their marketing spend and their revenue goes up, but it's just going up in parallel. And at some point in time, that hits a brick wall. And so Slack is incredible for all the reasons that get discussed, but they also had an interesting revenue model. And, you know, I I think people forget that usually disruptive businesses that scale like Slack, like Airbnb, we wind up taking their revenue models for granted. But at the time as they were developed, they were new and they were different and they were scalable. So it's not just the product. It's those economics that can move alongside with it that can reach a lot of people and make a lot of money. That's really interesting. Tell me about some of the earlier stage companies you've invested in, especially the role that forming a community around them can play. You know, so I'm thinking about accelerators, incubators, the places people think of as, you know, sort of the birthplaces of of startups. How important do you think that is? Do you you look for a company that's, that sort of comes out of those when when you guys are looking to invest? Yeah. So I'm a little biased because one of the things I also did is I ran a community building marketing firm. It was called Cult Following. And we would recruit, indoctrinate, and spread and kind of help brands think about community. So I really sometimes over-index around community. And, you know, I think there is nothing magic in the water in San Francisco. I think intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunity is, is not always there. And I think that if you provide people the network the resources and the capital that is needed to build businesses, you can build them from anywhere. And I don't mean just any city. I mean, any town, any place. And certainly I've seen accelerators do an outstanding job of providing that bridge to the capital resources and connections that are needed to to build your business. I think you know, Y Combinator has really set the standard. Techstars has done that. But there's lots of companies that need those community and resources to succeed. And especially if you're a first-time founder that's looking to raise your first round of venture capital accelerators and communities for that matter, it doesn't necessarily have to be an accelerator 
But finding that place for you can be a great step in the right direction. How does an investor like yourself help companies scale? And and I guess behind that question is maybe another question about when is the right time to, to be hands-off and just let let companies you know, cook? And when, when is it, you know, when can you be helpful and when can you actually, you know, get involved on a more granular level and, and step in? The way that I think about it is at Fundamental Global, we don't have like a program that CEOs have to go through, or this is what we will do for you. We really support the CEO in the way that they want to be supported. Sometimes that means getting really hands-on. Sometimes it just means being a good board member and providing advice and governance that, that we're required to do at that level. So I don't really believe in the kind of cookie cutter approaches to helping founders scale, but I do believe that we have seen a ton of early stage companies, a ton of late stage companies, and that there's not always a unique situation. It might be the first time the founder has gone through it, and there might be unique ways to address it that are important for your organization. But usually we've seen something similar or know someone that has. And oftentimes as a founder, you feel alone. And when difficulties arise, you feel that you're the only one suffering from this challenge, but it's usually something that we've seen before and we've seen founders get out of. And if we haven't, we can find someone that has, and we can be there and support the founder. We also have the ability to look at the economics and help with modeling and business decisions. But ultimately at Fundamental Global, what we're trying to do is use our network connections and resources to help companies fulfill their KPIs or OKRs to be successful. And, and that's really what we try to focus on. But it's always going to be pull from the founder, not a push from us, because ultimately we are the investors, the CEO and the, the team are, are the ones in the foxholes and they need to drive when they get that support and when they need it. I wonder if I could just ask you to tell me about an investment you made recently that gets you the most excited. What is the deal you've done recently that you're just like, man, this was fun. This was, this, this has potential, whatever it is that makes you excited about it. Tell me what it is. We are very long on Firefly. They have a unique approach to advertising. They actually started out by putting screens on top of Ubers and sharing the revenue with Uber drivers, but they really expanded much beyond that. And we think they are a unicorn two times over heading into that decacorn space. They have an outstanding CEO and leader that we are 100% behind and will go through fight tooth and nail to help them continue to succeed. That's great. And where can people go to learn more about Fundamental Global and, and what you're doing? Where do you want to send them? I know you have a Substack. Maybe that's the place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fundamentalglobal.com is our website. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. I will help any founder at any stage all I can, regardless if we invest or not. I really do believe in hashtag give first and 
excited to learn and engage from, from people every single day.